Welcome to the Consumer Rundown Podcast, your destination for the people, companies, and trends transforming today's consumer markets. We are your hosts. I'm Penny. And I'm Dimitri. On today's episode, we talk to the founders of Earth Brands, Misha Medvedev and Peter Fillinghausen. Recently featured in the Forbes Social Impact 30 Under 30 list, Misha and Peter launched Earth Cups in 2021 as an environmentally sustainable alternative to red solo cups. We discuss Earth Brand's mission to make sustainability cool and the challenges that face the sustainability industry. Misha and Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please start by just introducing to us Earth Brands in your own words? Yeah, sure. Earth Brands is is the next generation products company that wants to displace single-use cups and other products with innovative, eco-friendly solutions. Very cool. Was there a moment that kind of compelled you to start this company? I mean, you know, Penny, I wouldn't say there's one aha moment in particular. It was really a buildup. Um, and eventually we we kind of just got got sick of it and and decided to you know take action. But you know when when Misha and I we were at college together up at up at Williams College in Massachusetts, and you know we'd walk to class or we'd walk to to tennis practice, and we'd see thousands of you know red plastic uh, you know single use oil based cups you know littered across campus, and uh, you know that upset us. And we we did some cleanups with friends, and we tried to get ahead of the issue, but, but we, we struggled to, um, and, you know, we thought to ourselves, look, our generation is supposed to be the one who cares about plastic pollution and cares about the environment and cares about our, our choices as consumers. Um, yet here we are going through hundreds and thousands of, you know, red solo cups on a, you know, daily or, or nightly basis. Um, and, so we we looked into alternatives and and found that there you know there there are several um, out there that are better for the environment that are better for you and yeah um, and uh, that's that's how we came up with with the idea for Earth Brands and and Earth Cups you know our our main product um, and uh, you know a couple after a couple months of testing we we launched in in April of 2021. What what's the main plant ingredient in your compostable cup if that's not a trade yeah. secret. I'm just curious. No, it's not a trade secret. It's it's uh cornstarch and sugar is the is the main blend. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't develop it in a lab. It's it's been around and you know, again, we, we think it's we think it's great. It's you know, on the production side of things, it uses a lot less energy than a you know typical oil-based cup. Um, you know, emits less carbon, uses less yeah. water and energy and, and all that. Um, you know, and then on the the post life side of things, it's it's much better. Obviously, when it's composted, it it turns to soil pretty quickly. Um, yeah. you know, and and even when it's not, it's it it generally does a lot better than a polystyrene cup. Um, so we're we're excited, but you know, by by no means do we think that our current Earth Cup is going to be the blend in in ten years or five years sure. or yeah. two years. Right? Yeah. And that's that's kind of what's exciting too. Like we're we're constantly learning and reading and innovating and testing and and working with material scientists, um, you know, and and trying to come up with new blends and new materials and new products that you know are even eco friendlier and will resonate even more with consumers and you know help their behavior, uh, help 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 change their behavior in a in a positive way. Yeah, super cool. Uh, cornstarch and sugar are two very commonly used ingredients in Chinese food. 
So who would have thought that <laughs> you could use make such good cups with it? How did you go from identifying the problem to executing the solution? To tell you the truth, like when we identified the problem, you know, we didn't know much about material science. We didn't know much about, you know, composting. We didn't know much about plant-based. And we did a lot of research in the early days. We said, okay, if we're going to come out with a product that's actually going to compete with these, you know, plastics manufacturers and with these, you know, semi-iconic American, um, you know, college brands, we're going to have to be smart about it. And, um, you know, we, we did research, we read up on all the different types of materials. We, we read about how, you know, recycling in the U S the infrastructure is really poor. Um, and that most types of plastic are, are pretty harmful and obviously rely on, on petroleum. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, we, we picked the one that we thought, uh, was kind of the best and had the best chance of, of scaling and, um, you know, resonating with consumers and, and from an environmental standpoint was, was the most kind of soundproof and we, we went with it. And I think from, from day one and Misha can speak to this too, but, you know, we've never thought that, um, we've had, we, we have, or have had the, the perfect solution, but it's a work in progress. And we're always trying to innovate and we're trying to work with material scientists and we're trying to help develop and test new polymers out of algae or canola oil or mushrooms or, um, you know, sequestered carbon and, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and ultimately, you know, have lines of cups and other things that are, that are made out of some really cool things. You talk about, you know, making sustainability cool, right? So like, what does that, what does that mean to you? And I think in a related question too, I love to hear when you had this idea, when you approach, you know, these fraternities and you're like, Hey guys, right? Like we've got something for you. That's like cool, but also sustainable. Like, was that, how was that received? Were people, were they like, Oh yeah, super into it. Or were people like, ah, we just, we just yeah. want to drink beer. We don't really right. care. Yeah, it was definitely a mixed bag, but I think we've realized, um, you know, early on that in order to sell to college kids and to sell to fraternities and sororities, we were going to have to make sustainability cool and make, um, make it cool to care about it. Right. So we, mm -hmm. we knew that, um, you know, in order to have conversations where it wasn't just, oh, you know, actually we only care about drinking beer and we only care about price. Um, we'd have to kind of elevate the conversation. We'd have to educate a little bit sometimes, take sustainability from a place where a small group of people in the margin care about it to where it's it's more of a mainstream issue. And of course, you know, you see that, right? It's not it's not Earth Brands or Earth Cups that's that's doing it. Everyone's doing it, which is great. And obviously there's a little, you know, kind of um a little color that that gets washed out, you know, in, in that process. But um, you know, we've we've kind of tried to inspire kids to, um, you know, and not just kids, any, any consumers to believe that their individual purchases and their individual choices can make a difference on aggregate, which of course yeah. they can. Um, yeah. and, you know, and, and again, just working on trying to provide guilt-free alternatives that are cool, um, that are, you know, user-friendly and, and that don't, you know, provide ambiguous messaging around, um, their capabilities and, uh, you know, are, are just generally better high quality products too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to add to kind of going off that last point there, like, you know, in, in our eyes, what it means to make sustainability cool is, is essentially, you know, make consumers want to use our products on a daily basis. Yeah. And, you know, before earth cups in our minds, you know, 
sustainability and fighting climate change, a lot of what was in the news was going to protests or, or very political, right? And, and so we wanted to make it a very easy um, way to kind of do things on a daily basis to actually feel like you're, you know, supporting plastic pollution or whatnot. And so I think that's what kind of our whole brand is, is consisted of. And then also in terms of frater the fraternities, what was really important to us when we were doing R&D and ordering samples was that the quality of the cups wasn't affected. So, you know, fraternities yeah. wouldn't you know complain about it. And so that's why we we did a lot of R&D and, and testing to make sure that the, you know, the cup held up as well as a red plastic cup. So um, right. quality wasn't the thing they would, you know, complain about if, if anything. So, yeah, makes sense. Can you help ground our listeners in just how bad the red solo cups are? Like drop some facts on us. Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, I think I think the main thing is to be clear about the different types of plastic, which a lot of people, you know, don't know. They see a little a little recycling triangle on the yeah. bottom with a number in it. And it's people super don't confusing. Know. Penny, I'll tell you, it's it's deliberately confusing, right? Um, you know, plastics manufacturers and and these large corporations, they want to, um, you know, kind of keep a sense of ambiguity around their products, so that people, you know, they see a number six and a and a triangle around, and they say, oh, that's right. that, that means it's recyclable, right? And the the answer is 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 not necessarily, mm -hmm. um, you know. So obviously, there's different MRFs across the country, um, and and some accept different types of plastics than others. But, you know, polystyrene, polypropylene, these really, you know, oil-based, uh, you know, kind of bad plastics that are so ubiquitous, um, you know, are produced by by companies like Solo and others. Um, they're difficult to recycle. And even, even if they are recyclable or, a, you know, a facility will accept them, very few of them, you know, actually get recycled. So I think I read a stat this morning um, that said that in like, I think it was 20, don't quote me on this, but I think in, in 2014, um, uh, there was about 9.5% of recycled plastic gets recycled in the US, mm, which is right. obviously really low. And then yeah. in 2021, that number was actually 5%. Oh, which wow. It's really not promising, right? You'd think yeah. that we'd be getting better with our recycling right. rates and right. we'd be getting better and stronger infrastructure and more dollars behind it. But the reality is, is that we're not. And that's why, you know, Misha and I, we we don't, you know, really believe in, in the future of recycling. We believe in the future of innovation into the material science side of things. Mm. And we believe in, in closed loop. We believe in making single use products that actually aren't single use that you can collect, you can sanitize, you can grind up and you can turn back into raw material and you can repeat. And so that's kind of, that's always been, you know, our vision plant-based and, you know, material science innovation and then closed loop. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah. That's Misha. I don't know if you want yeah. to go into yeah, and I'll, I'll also add, because I, it's probably true, but correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, that's 9% of all the plastic that tries to get recycled. And then there's different types of plastics, and some plastics are more recyclable than others. So right. the ones that are made from a red solo cup or whatever, that is polystyrene, 0.01%, right, eventually probably gets recycled of that. Um, and then in terms of other stats on, on the red cup, uh, you know, we've done a number of kind of... Um, quantity exercises, I guess, of how many cups are used on college campuses alone each year. And we keep getting, you know, between eight to 10 billion wow. um, just on college campuses, just by students That's so, crazy. in the US. Yeah. That's a very interesting fact. It makes me think about the cultural impact of red cups. For many red cups evoke positive emotions and memories, whether it's going to a party, tailgating, or being at a barbecue. 
It's very much ingrained in American culture, especially on college campuses. How do you overcome that and start changing consumer behavior? How do you create the same emotional attachment to Earth Cups as consumers currently have to Red Solo Cups? If I could start here, just because I, I spoke with I spoke with someone earlier today, and he lives in California now, and he's he works for a venture capital company, and he said, "Look, every time at least I and and many of my friends now see a solo cup, we associate it with a frat party or yeah. a, a girls' college party." Totally. And right. he said, "He said, look, you know, I I want to have some, you know, drinks or a party with some other of my." friends in finance or consulting or whatever. And, and they're like, look, you know, we want to play beer pong, but we don't want to have red cups, right? Or we, and, and glasses maybe reusable and you can't play games with it. So there's no, there's no really in between yet. And I think mm-hmm. creating that brand and that feeling is what we're trying to do, right? It's not just a party cup that you, you leave the party and you're, hung, you know, you're drunk or whatever, and you throw it on the ground, right? It's that a feeling that you want to associate with being clean and sustainable and um, responsible at the same time. Yeah, it's it's funny because I I talked with someone earlier today too who's based in California, but he's actually English, and he was we were also talking about you know the red cup and and what it means to consumers, um and you know about this exact question. Even him growing up in in London, um you know he saw the red the red cup and he immediately associated it with college parties and drinking and this U.S. Yeah. You know, iconic American yeah. thing, right. and, and it's and it's hard to argue with that, right? Like you know, red cups, you know, used to look cool in photos and they used to kind of like signal cool, edgy, whatever. And now as, as Misha's saying, I, I think that's been kind of knocked down a couple pegs where they're this, you know, kind of one dimensional cup that isn't really multi-purpose, isn't really versatile, right? You can't, you can't use a, a, a red cup at a, at a, at a, at a wedding, or you can't use it at a, you know, a kind of a, um, you know, a, a, maybe a picnic, or you might not want to, right. Versus an earth cup, um, you know, or, or some sustainable alternative, it, it means something more. Um, and it's more versatile, you know, you can use it at a college party. You can also use it, at, you know, at a nice event. So, um, you know, I, I think our approach there is, is kind of dual pronged, um, on the one hand, it's, it's, you know, trying to make people feel, uh, or, or very conscious about their decisions and, and, you know, having them, you know, really recognize and feel something when they do yeah. use a red cup or some other right. you know, cheap plastic cup that isn't uh, either compostable or, or, or even recyclable. Um, so, so that's the one side. And then the other side is about our cups. We want people to, you know, have a guilt-free option that inspires them and, and, you know, uh, signal something signals that they care about the yeah. environment and that it's good to care about the environment. And so, you know, I think we somewhat, sometimes delicately, sometimes not so delicately try to do those two things. And I love that new generation, especially your generation, is turning so many of these things on its head, right? Like you're really rethinking about like what these things mean, like red cups with maybe even like Dimitri and I or people older than us, we see it and we think one thing. And, you know, the hope is like your generation and everybody who comes after looks at plastic and says, heck no, right? We're not going to use that. It's not super surprising to me. You, you look at the data on millennials and Gen Z, and overwhelmingly, it says that a super high percentage of both care about sustainability and yeah. a super high percentage of both 
will are willing to pay more for it. Um, so, so that's no surprise to me. And that's of course a good thing, right? That means that, okay, maybe there is hope, maybe, you know, that'll, that'll encourage the private sector and companies to, you know, incorporate more sustainable practices and to come out with more products that, you know, really care about the environment or even, you know, carbon, carbon, uh, uh, carbon negative, you know, so Mm -hmm. that's encouraging. But what we find even more interesting is that there's a huge disconnect right now about even companies that are eco-friendly or yeah. sustainable and consumers. And most, the majority of consumers say that they would pay more for sustainability, but that they're not always sure what's sustainable and what's not. Yeah. And that a lot of the yeah. messaging around various products is confusing deliberately or yeah. not, who knows, but that it's confusing. And so we've tried to be very clear and straightforward with our messaging and with our branding and, and you know, with what we stand for. And of course, it's it's a work in progress. We're you know a, a young company and and two young guys, but um, we're constantly trying to provide education around the products, and we're trying to signal con- to consumers what we care about, how they can dispose of our cups. We're actually going to you know launch a cup that has a QR code on it. You can scan it, and you can nice. find you know different different places to dispose of it. You can find ways yeah, to dispose of it, and, and that, find you know and I just want to add to, to Pete's point, right? Like day one, it, it's been, let's make this very simple that a three-year-old can understand, right? A blue cup, recyclable, green cup, right. plant-based, compostable. And and that's that. I and mean, if you look at our packaging and, and the colors we use and all that, I mean, I think that's that's at the essence of it, right? Because again, it goes back to the triangle symbol and the seven numbers there, and only two of them are recyclable. And it's just so much confusion that's created around the whole industry that we're we're trying to clear up. Yeah, it's it's super confusing, um, right? One around just like what the policies all mean, right? Like, yeah, what the triangles and the numbers, like which numbers are recyclable, which ones are not. Like, and when you see something that's certified or not even certified that says it's sustainable, like what does that really mean? There, that in itself is so confusing. And then there's such a black box around like what actually happens behind the scenes, yeah. right? Like, I put something in a recycling container. Does that like where does that go? You know, what happens to it? Is that actually coming back into another product? Like no one really knows what, what happens there. And I feel like that all, all the mystery really discourages some people from even attempting, you know, to recycle and compost whatever to begin with. Like, what do you think needs to change to make that more transparent and to inspire more confidence maybe in everyday consumers? First of all, great question. And and I again I go back to that stat, right? Where it starts at nine and a half percent of plastic, you know, that's recyclable gets recycled. And then seven years later, you'd expect it to, you know, improve, right? All these different yeah. um, you know, trends of sustainability and tailwinds in the industry are are going on, yet it declines, you know, to to about five percent. Um, you know, and I think I think a lot of that is is that kind of the chain is is a little broken, right? Like um, you know, we toss it in our recycling bin, someone picks that up, someone then dumps it at a recycling thing, and then they can, you know, they have to sort it and some of it's recyclable, some of it's not, some right. of it gets contaminated, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, for us, the way we think about that and and you know, one kind of fix is is to do it all ourselves or at least control the whole process. And so, you know, 
obviously we have this college brand. We we sell a lot, you know, straight to kind of younger next gen consumers. But we also work with businesses, and you know, everything from from small bars and restaurants to you know larger venues like stadiums and and coffee chains and hotels. And ultimately, what we want to do is we want to work with those large venues, and we want to set up either you know, compost collection programs, or we want to set up um, closed loop collection programs. So, you know, picture bins around a stadium, right? And you toss your earth cup after you've used it into mm. that bin. And it's very clear with the messaging on the cups, on the bins and around the stadium, that that's where your cup goes. And then, you know, we yeah. we collect those cups and we either, you know, clean and repurpose them or, you know, as good, we make sure they're composted. Um, and, you know, we've been building out, uh, you know, dozens of composting partners that have facilities across the United States, um, you know, who accept our cups and, um, you know, are, are eager to work with us. And we have that network, you know, now available. And, and you know, it's just a matter of partnering with them and finding, you know, businesses and venues who care about sustainability and want to, you know, displace whatever cheap plastic they're using for, um, you know, our products. And then, you know, trying to be all hands on and, and supporting them because ultimately they're not going to make the switch and they're not going to do it, you know, unless it's relatively easy, unless it doesn't re reflect or represent a, a huge change in, in their behaviors and in their supply chain. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Misha, that, that's how I think about it. I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think, I think, I think on the, on the, on the B2B level too, like that, that really is the way to do it. And then on the individual level, I think it's, I guess your question essentially is, you know, how do you build more trust in consumers around recycling and composting? And again, there's just a lot of um, misleading information or uncertainty of what's going yeah. on. So I think right. it comes back to our original idea, which is to, to really build a brand that people can trust and rely on and say, look, if this is an earth cup or if this is an earth brand product you know, we know it's degradable in your home backyard, or we know that this is mm. fully recyclable at a recycling facility and um, building excitement around the brand and the products that we were providing, I think could also hopefully, you know, encourage and excite some users to, to actually recycle and compost more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no silver bullet. Yeah. And, yeah. and Penny, you kind of alluded to this, but like, I think you know, a lot of, a lot of the issue comes with the mystery around recycling and the the yeah. mystery around what happens to these products, right? Like, right. is this even going to get recycled if I toss it in here? Do I have right. to clean out these cups before an MRF yeah. will accept them? Right. And, you know, people don't know, and, and it's pretty deliberate, you know, from a lot of manufacturers that, that people shouldn't know, or that, you know, uh, the, 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 the mystery around it is, is, is good for their business. Mm -hmm. So we want to, we want to flip that on its head and, and we want to, you know, be direct with consumers. We want to educate, we want to, you know, help connect them with places to, to compost their cups and to, you know, find facilities that that'll, you know, take the cups and turn them into soil and provide the metrics about, you know, their change. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the universities we sell to or work with, you know, they'll have compost bins around campus. Um, and that's, that's excellent, right? Like Williams College, for example, where we went, there's compost yeah. bins in every single dorm. So if we yeah. had you know, a, a party or some friends over and we used a hundred cups, we'd compost them after we'd use them. And that's a great feeling. You know, it's, it's a really bad feeling when you use a couple hundred red cups and they're plastic and you toss them into a trash and you know, yeah they're going to end up in a landfill and exist for 2000 years. And on the flip side, it's a really good sign or really good feeling rather 
when you, you know, use earth cups and then, you know, dispose of them properly and ensure that, you know, they're going to get composted and they're going to turn into soil in about 90 days. Yeah. You bring up an interesting point and it's one area that I think doesn't get as much attention as it should. And that's the gap in the waste management infrastructure that we have in the U.S. It's clear that consumer demand for more sustainable products is growing and will continue to grow in the future. But I think the positive effect can be fully realized unless consumers are able to properly dispose of these products. And that will require a major overhaul of the waste management infrastructure that we have in place right now. What do you think about that point? You know, we, we've decided to focus more on, on the product and material side of things and growing a brand to educate consumers and, and sort of motivate them uh, as opposed to the actual infrastructure side of things. But I, I think it's without one, you can't do the other. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. yeah. And I think, I think Tamisha's point there, which is a good one, like, you know, we think if you get everyone on board with using compostables and going plant-based and, you know, make that kind of the norm or at least the ideal, um, you know, then the composting infrastructure and then the recycling infrastructure is going to catch up. And, you know, obviously some of these stats are, are kind of, you know, almost depressing, but, um, you know, I, I do think there's light at the end of the tunnel and I do think there are, you know, exceptional companies, um, you know, it, it just, it, you know, throughout the private sector um, who are who are working on some really cool solutions. And again, you know, we we want to be on the material side of thing and the brand side of thing and kind of bridge yeah. the gap between the people who are developing the polymers and the consumers who want products that yeah. are better for the environment. And then, you know, someone on the other side of the consumer, um, you know, is, is really going to work to. Uh, you know, improve that infrastructure and and make sure that, you know, those collection rates go up and the contamination rates go down um, and and we'll be there for it, right? We want to we wanna help businesses do that. We want to help, you know, individuals do that. And ultimately, you know, we're all going to have to pretty soon. I want to switch topics for a bit and talk about your business model. Over the past few months, you've developed some great relationships with 818 Tequila and Snack TBH. How are you leveraging these partnerships to expand your presence and build awareness? We're lucky that companies like 818 and, and like Snack TBH have increasingly cared more about sustainability, right? Um, and it's everything from from their, you know, their own manufacturing processes to throwing events, right? Like 818 Tequila, they do tastings, they do promotional events, and they need single-use cups. And so we've oh. we've made them single-use cups. We've co-branded with them. We've done right. you know, fun, exciting uh, stuff around that. You know, and there's, of course, other examples too. But, um, you know, I think, I think for us, we've always come at it with the approach of we want to help these companies become more sustainable. And if these companies want to be, become more sustainable, it's obviously a good thing. And we should therefore help them market it and brand it and tell a story around it to their consumers, right? Who ultimately will care about this sort of thing. And, um, you know, if you're a tequila drinker and you see 818 has refined their process and they've added a bunch of sustainability initiatives, and then, you know, they're also, they've made the switch to plant-based cups and, you know, they have usable metrics about how that switch is going to affect their, their carbon out, output and whatnot. Um, that's going to go a long way with consumers, right? That's what the data shows. That's what we all know and feel. So that's, that's kind of how we approach and, and think about it. But, Dimitri, we're still, you know, we're always, you know, still trying to figure out how to get the most out of them. Long term, what do you want to end up? Do you want to be a B2B or B2C focused company? 
we're in a, a cool a cool spot because most of our brand is is consumer based. It's you know about college kids. It's about the young next generation, um, you know, group who, who cares about this sort of thing. But we sell a lot B two B and and we do a lot of um, you know kind of work and outreach and sales there. So. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of room for us to expand in both um, and both industries are, are, are both markets are, are pretty huge and massive. Um, so I guess it's about picking, you know, picking one or picking niches in, in, in both that, um, you know, really work most for us and that we think we can, you know, get the most out of, uh, out of consumers and out of buyers and, and, uh, you know, have our products kind of make the most impact we want to make as big of an impact as we can. So whether that's selling to businesses or consumers and all of them use cups, right. You know, let, let's try to do that. Um, you know, there's retail that's perfect, right? Right now you go in, you only see solo cups on the shelves. There's no other eco-friendly option. You know, why is that? You know, so we want to be there. We want to help stadiums. We want to help coffee chains and we want to help college students. What was the feedback when you first started talking to investors and what lessons did you learn from those early conversations? Honestly, you know, I think for us, we we had had this idea and and we had tried to you know put it into um, into fruition, but we didn't really we didn't really I mean we didn't know what we were doing at all, but we we also really didn't know um, whether we had legs, right? Whether um, you know it was going to peter out in a month or whether it was going to you know build and build and build. And a lot of that feedback, both positive and negative, in the early days, I think, kind of lit a fire under under us and and kept us going. Misha, I don't know if you want to talk to that any 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 more too. Yeah, no, yeah, I think in the in the early days, um, we reached out to a lot of alumni, and we were getting a lot of questions about the business model and what we were doing. And and in the very beginning, we didn't have we didn't have answers, good answers to any of it. Um, but the more we did it, the more we were thinking about the business, and the more we realized, okay, this is what we haven't thought of yet, and that's helped a lot. And then as time progressed, you know, more and more investors started becoming more interested. And, and, you know, there were some investors that just didn't understand it. But when we sometimes yeah. we get on the calls with investors, they're like, okay, we get it. You know, this makes sense yeah. to us. And, and this is where the world's going. And, and we, right. we totally want to help you. I, I think in, increasingly more and more people are getting it. And finally. <laughs> and yeah. and in, those, in those early days too, like Misha said, we really, we didn't know how to pitch. Yeah, we had our idea. Yeah, we were passionate. Yeah. We thought we had a vision and, you know, kind of general notion of where we wanted to take it. But, you know, we sometimes look back today and it's it's a fun exercise. I encourage other founders and, and people to do it. But we look back today sometimes at, you know, the earliest decks and the earliest emails we sent out and all that. And, yeah. you know, it, it brings us a, a good chuckle because usually for better, we, we couldn't have been more off. We'd, we'd say, oh, we want to, you know, sell 1 million cups next year. And of course, you yeah. know, a lot more than that and, and stuff like that. And it's it's always exciting. And like Misha said, um, it was it was often those people in the early days who really pushed us. They're like, well, where's your business model? Where's your cash flow? Where's your this? Where's your that? And, you know, we didn't have any of it or we didn't know. And we just, you know, kind of had 100,000 cups that we had made and we're sitting in Misha's garage ready to be sold. Of course, you know, all, all those questions, all that feedback, mostly the negative ones too, kind of pushed us to, um, you know, kind of solidify everything and, um, you know, keep keep working at it. I mean, it's it takes time to like learn that stuff, right? And understand like what investors really want to hear, what kind of things you need to highlight and how to pitch your story. And it's amazing that you were even doing that in college when most other people were participating in the problem that you were trying to solve. 
Yeah, and it was, you know, I, I think, again, it was a learning curve with investors. Um, we kind of, I think, slowly learned that balance of, of telling investors, you know, what they want to hear and, and what, you know, what realizing what they actually care about. And of course, it's different for every investor, yeah. but also just being completely honest and transparent with our vision and where we want to take the company. And, you know, I think, I think we could have been more like, had we been better at pitching, had we had, had more advice from different folks, we would have been more strategic in the early days, but I'm actually glad we weren't because I think we got, um, we might've gotten less money, but we got the right money on board. We got people who actually believe in myself and in Misha and in our vision, you know, versus people who want, uh, you know, X percent return in three years, you know, no matter what. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're really grateful and, and lucky for that and, and grateful and appreciative of, of our team and, and group of investors. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think, I think, you know, sometimes it does probably pay off to just be true to yourself and true to your mission and true to, you know, kind of your, your goals and, and vision for everything. Um, because it would have been, it would have been easier. And some people told us to do this. They said, you know, go, go say, you're going to do this. And this is your exit strategy. And this is this. You know, and we were kind of like, that's that's not us. Our 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 goal is to build this into, you know, X, Y, and Z. And um, you know, and in 10 years, who knows? Yeah. What what is your um long-term vision with Earth Brands? Do you want to expand into more products? Do you want to overtake solo cups? We don't love to set super long-term goals just because we actually think they can be limiting sometimes, even if they're super lofty or out there. Um, you know, we, yeah. we like to live kind of day to day, week to week. So much can change so quickly when you're when you're in our business and you're, when you're at our you know kind of young, small, early stage. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know we have we have big goals and and ambitions, and you know ultimately, like Misha said, it it, it all comes back to impact. Um, you know how much how much can we disrupt this industry? How many you know petroleum based cups can we displace? And ultimately, you know everything else falls from there. And, you know, whether it's product expansion, which is absolutely something we think about every, every day, um, you know, both in terms of new cups with new materials and also in terms of new products out of similar materials or, or whatever. Um, we, we think about both and, and we're moving into both, which is exciting. Um, or whether it's a different market approach. Should we go into retail? Should we do grocery? Should we do online? Um, should we push more B2B? Should we sell to stadiums or should we sell to coffee chains? Like we're constantly thinking about all of those. And I think, you know, it'll be fun and, and enticing to see how it plays out. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say we have an exact vision. The way we see it is that single use plastics is huge in the US. Um, like mm -hmm. there's, yeah. There's over 120 billion single-use cups used in the U.S. each year, and about 40 billion of those are, are single-use plastic. Um, and right now, less than 1% of that is plant-based. So less than 1% of plastic is plant-based. And of course, yeah. that's supposed to grow to 25 plus percent in the next you know, five to 10 years. So it's a really exciting space to be in. And we do feel like we're helping build out a category that's going to eventually overtake and outlast these companies like solo and and kind of the old plastics manufacturers but you know again we our mission is is to make sustainability cool and to display single-use plastics um yeah just become that brand right and that people can look up to and trust and associate with doing good for the environment and i think replacing 10 billion solo cups on on college campuses would be pretty cool that would be very yeah. cool as you work toward that vision, what principles drive you on a day-to-day -day basis? 
think our foothold into the the industry and the way we kind of made a name for ourselves was through our brand. Um, and, you know, I think something around that was, you know, we never, we never want to compromise on that. We never want to, you know, to take a, a sacrifice or, or dilute that. So I, I think, you know, our, our focus was on that. And then, um, you know, having, having clear principles and, and a really good culture around that. And I think we've, we've really cared about that. And this has been a, a big thing Misha's done, uh, probably more than myself, but, you know, making, making our company a really fun place to work, um, and, and a place where, you know, college kids across the country want to join, want to yeah. join us, want to join the company, want to join the movement, right. you know, whether it's, whether it's becoming a brand ambassador, um, you know, of which we have over 2,500 now, whether it's becoming a campus manager who then, you know, serves as a point person for those people, whether it's applying to become, you know, an, an intern, uh, maybe on our design team, on our marketing team, on our social media team, um, or whether it's joining us full time. And what's, awesome to see um, is how much the brand and the company and its mission resonates with those people who, like us, you know, were college kids or are still college kids who want or wanted an, an eco-friendly alternative, um, you know, uh, for, a, for a cup to drink out of on a daily basis. When we get, you know, 200 applications for summer interns, uh, you know, I'm like, I have to like, you know, pinch myself to be like, is yeah. that real? We yeah. actually you know, getting kids across the country who want to come, you know, get involved and be a part of this. And for me, that's been the the most rewarding part for sure. Another big principle that we've kind of have been hounding on, at least in the past year and at least in the early days is, is sort of um, to make an impact faster. You never want to like turn down a customer or never say no to a request. They won't be buying plastic. They'll be buying plant-based. Right. At least it's yeah. that marginal, marginal quick difference. And so, I think having that mindset and just continuing to work as fast as we can and, and not wasting time is 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 not only helping obviously the business but but again the impact. This has been a fascinating discussion. One last question. If our listeners want to try Earth Cups, what's the best way to do it? Yeah. Um, you know, right now our retail presence isn't huge. Um we're we're in a couple, you know, like New York City based uh uh, grocery chains and then in some, you know, small liquor stores around college campuses. So I'd say the, the best way is through our website, um, earthbrands.earth and, uh, pretty soon, um, again, under wraps, but we'll be, we'll be launching with a couple of the, um, you know, quick grocery immediate, um, you know, immediate goods, uh, companies. So look out for that on, on the near horizon. The idea came from a lot of college kids. We were getting, yeah. direct messages on Instagram from kids saying, Hey, you know, I want your cups, but I need them tonight for a party. And mm. your website says it takes, you know, a day or two. Right. To um, yeah. You know, we use X or Y, you know, app here at, at our right, campus. Right. Um, can you get earth cups on there? So mm. we've, we've spent a couple months trying to do that and and we're launching on, on two of them pretty soon. So nice. keep an eye out for that. And eventually you'll be able to get them in minutes. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Misha and Peter, thank you both so much for joining us today. That was a very, very interesting and insightful discussion and super happy for your success. And congrats again for making on to Forbes 30 under 30. Very well deserved. Um, we will be keeping an eye out on um, the great things to come. Yeah, thank you, Penny and, and Dimitri. Thanks for thanks for having us on. And um, questions were were super thoughtful and insightful. So we always appreciate that. And um, we had fun chatting with you guys. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you.
Thanks, guys. This concludes our interview with Misha and Peter from Earth Brands. Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe for more episodes of Consumer Rundown Podcast and visit us at consumerrundown.com. See you next time.